You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Hello. It's never this quiet when I get up here. I'm always nervous. Now I'm doubly nervous. Uh, My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll chat. Uh, Yeah, set up. We're not preaching through John. Somebody already asked me, like, where's the focal text? Like, what's going on here? I'm looking at the weekly, right? You didn't sound like that, Mark. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, so, So, just to let you know, we value the Word. We sit under the Word week after week for nearly 14 years now. We open up the Bible and we have a focal passage and at times we've read like entire chapters of Genesis with names and everybody's just like, why are we doing this? It's because we value the word and we sit under it. Today we're going to do that. It's just going to look a little different. I'm not kind of expositing or teasing out a particular text, but we're going to kind of put some dots on a line and I probably have a lot to say today and I don't know if I'll get to say it all. So let's pray and then give me a shot to do that. God, thanks for your uh, goodness, your gifts, your grace, and just the simplicity of the local church and how it shows up, even like the video showed us in, in so many ways and places throughout all time. Um, but at the end of the day, it's been about the same stuff and it's been about the same thing, a response to the work of Jesus on our behalf, liberating us from sin and, and inviting us to the, in, into the mission to make disciples of Jesus of all nations and, and certainly our neighbors among us. Uh, today, would you let us just be inspired by your word? Would you show us how, uh, as your gospel goes, the church grows and, and, and exists in places um, where your name is, is not yet named? And would you let us be a part of that, even today, in Jesus' name? Amen. So this guy's name is Aaron Cometbus. He is a roadie for the pop punk band Green Day. And he was a roadie in the early days, and so he was around when they were touring. Before, they were, before anybody had ever heard of that name, uh, he was like on the ground with them and, and you know, in the bus with them, and so to speak. And so he writes this. Touring, again, this is the early days of a band that would like hit stardom, right? Touring is pulling into a town at 4 a.m. and finding mattresses in the mattress factory dumpster and setting up camp behind a Denny's parking lot and waking up at high noon. He didn't say high at noon. I I read it several times. Waking up at high noon, sober or otherwise, feeling terrible. Touring is, of course, wonderful. Cops, van wrecks, dumpsters, poison ivy, asking for $100 a show and not getting it, asking for a place to eat or sleep, not getting either. Early days of touring is 85% absolutely terrible, yet there is this romanticizing that comes with it that every band seems to embrace along the way. And some of you are like, that's a weird setup, and some of you are like, oh, church planting, yeah. <laughs> that's, that is the setup. Like, church planting is... Is like that, and it's like those early touring days of a band that's not quite yet made it, and, and many take pride in horror stories, and like, we have horror stories, I have horror stories, like, we were, we, every church was a church plant at some point, but we were, and we're like, still a, a barely a teenager as a church, if you don't know that about us, and so, 
Um, there are lots of horror stories. In fact, I brought this out of storage. And I'll just share this real quick. Um, this looks like a, just a little piece of wood. It says, love, live, move, which is kind of what we said we were doing as a church for a, a long time. Uh, what you don't know and what some of you don't know is that this was actually attached to many more pieces of wood that made a three-dimensional box that weighed 900 pounds. And we were meeting in a gym early days of the village and, and we were just starting out and there was like barely two dozen of us, but we thought it was really important. This was a light box. There were lights inside of it. looked really cool. We thought it was like important enough so that every single week we had to have eight, you know, huge jacked people stand under this thing and lift it up to, to hoist it onto, you know, the back of a basketball rim or whatever we were doing in the gym. So, so this means nothing to you, but to some people, this is like, oh, yeah, that means oh, that's, a, that's a mattress in a Denny's parking lot, right? <laughs> that's what that is. Uh, so lots of unknowns, and you're just trying to figure stuff out. We weren't sent out from a church planting church, which is not the best, and so we really were stumbling a lot and just trying to figure stuff out and trying to be informed and trying to be read, but, but walking into the unknown with enough confidence in Jesus on the very best days and enough arrogance in ourselves on the very worst of days that we sacrificed in deep felt ways for the hope that God might stir and that he might grow and that he might give shape and that he might save and that he might gather and that he might scatter out, that he might bring you into this room. And, and I can't help but to think, I, I share this regularly, but normally like kind of the back end of the last song that we sing before I get to come up here, I usually go back there and just stand and just like take it in and my heart is usually full as I just see people sitting around and praying and singing and sitting and just, just here knowing that even just to show up today took like lots of work and energy and, and even courage for many of you. And so I stand back there and just my, my heart leaps, but, but today in particular I thought, gosh, you know, there were probably prayers prayed a dozen years ago that, that you're the fruit of you being in this room. And it's just like so cool how the Spirit does work in just the simple ways of the, the local church gathered and scattered. So how did the village church get here? Well, I could talk about that for, <clears throat> for, for many hours, but... but the reality is the Bible does a lot of kind of recounting and reflecting and retelling of story. It does that a lot. And so you have monuments. I mean, this is a monument. This might as well have been a, a stone that they put in the desert, the place where God dwelt or whatever. You see that time and time again throughout the scriptures. And so I just want to, for, for us to do that just for a minute, uh, I think it was in the fall, the local magazine, The Hamiltonian. Was that in the fall, Scott? Probably. So they asked us to fill out a bunch of stuff and whatever. So we were like uh, two pages of like, hey, this is what the village church is or whatever. And so wrote up a little, hey, this is who we are. And so I just want to read what was in that. Um, it says this, we've said that God was establishing the village for years before he let any of those involved about it know it. The evidence of that was the long-shared relationships and like-minded desires and the proximity of the people of God used to make the core of the village church early on. By 2008, a group of about 17 adults and 
dozens of hundreds of kids were meeting together to talk about what it looked like to be the church established by the gospel and sent on mission. By 2009, the group was meeting regularly in living rooms to pray and plan life together as a local church. After a few monthly preview gatherings in the Central YMCA gymnasium and no shortage of breakers tripped during those gatherings. I was teaching at the time. I was a, a high school science teacher in a charter school. And I remember like on my lunch break for two weeks, I was doing like extension cord diagrams to try to figure out how we could get enough power to power this light box <laughs> and all the other things without tripping breakers because that's why you do preview gatherings because we just didn't know what we were getting into. And so I'm pretty sure that there were about 58 extension cords linked together, like downstairs. I think they were even draped over the pool down in the YMCA. It was, it was great, but we had light and sound and it was awesome. So anyway, uh, the Village Church began meeting on Sundays in that gym on October 18th, 2009, you know, in, and it looked a lot different. Uh, I remember preaching, I remember doing all of the work to set up, and, and we had people figuring out, you know, what was Kville and, and, and teaching kids and, you know, like just all that stuff. But I remember we'd do all this work and like, you know, 30 people, maybe 30 adults. I remember one time like 22 people showed up and it's like, you know, I didn't sleep for the last whatever, writing a sermon because I didn't know how to preach and I still don't, and so this is why we're here. And, um, and I just remember like, man, this is, this is really hard. It was a lot of sacrifice, a lot of work, and you're just like, not that the 22 people weren't important or valuable, but it was just, it was just really hard, and I know that there are many. Uh, if you ever gathered with the Village Church in the YMCA in those early days, just raise your hand, just curious. That's pretty cool. Thanks for sticking around. We're going to go back to that. We're going to go set up and tear down. Just kidding. So those are trigger words. For somebody that's a part of a church plant, I'm dead serious. And some of you weren't a part of the village, but you're like, oh, I got my own stories. And I say words like set up, and you're like, stop it. (laughs) Right. So today we're pausing from John not to talk about the village church. Like we don't take ourselves, our existence too seriously, though we think we take seriously who we are and what we get to be about. We don't take ourselves too seriously, so this is not a sermon on the Village Church, not by a long shot, but we want to talk about something that we value, and that's church planting. We want to tease out and hit on some stuff and show you where, in, in, uh, show you where you and we kind of fit into the greater mission. You saw that video. It was the Acts 29 kind of bumper video. The network encourages once a year, take some time. They, they say like even just five minutes and just kind of hit on church planting in some way. But we just want to take all of the time and just talk about what this looks like because it's that important to us. Acts 29 recruits and trains, assesses and supports church planters to plant churches worldwide. We are a diverse uh, church planting network, right, across the world, and that is true. We partner with believers around the world to plant in all contexts, suburban, urban, rural, and everywhere in between, and in any place where Jesus is neither named nor known. Acts 29, and again, we can talk about this, whatever, we can hit on this stuff in Village Gate membership, but just kind of in short, it's not a denomination, it's not top-down like that, it's more of a linking of arms, it's a network of like-minded with a lot of variety in there, there are lots of denominations and even kind of, uh, there, there's a lots of, lot of variety within the network, we are not a really tight 
uh, linked denomination, rather linking arms uh, widely to plant churches around the world. Like the Village Church, the network has kind of shaped and shifted and meandered over the years. It's been uh, beneficial and fruitful both locally and globally. Our relationship has, has changed with the network over the years and like some beauty of it is early on, like we didn't know anything and we didn't know anything about anything and we ask a lot of questions and it's kind of a sweet thing. Not that we have stuff figured out, but, but now we still get to ask questions of those that are in the network, both near and far, but also we get to, we get to give answers sometimes and that's a pretty sweet thing and that's a testament to you all being who you are. So that's a huge encouragement. Acts 29, over 700 churches, 50 countries uh, this week. The gospel or, or the word will be preached in over 30 languages on any given Sunday, 8,000 baptisms in the last year, 61 new churches into the network. And so that's what we're a part of. Um, Matthew Spandler Davidson, he is uh, one of the guys who, if you follow him on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, he's just always on a plane. And he's, he's helping uh, churches in hard places in lots of different places. Um, He's in Bardstown, Kentucky, of all places, but he does a lot for Acts 29, uh, Church in Hard Places. He says this. He says, in the New Testament, all mission is flowing from a local church, and all Christians in the New Testament are rooted in a local church. To be a Christian on mission requires us to be committed members of a local church. And I know some of you find that home here and some of you elsewhere, but thank you for being a part of the local church. All that gets us to a main idea. And there are two points, all right? Only two points today. Main idea is this churches grow where the gospel is scattered, planted, nourished, and bearing fruit. That is what I want us to know today. That churches, they, they show up because the gospel goes forth, Right? Churches grow where the gospel is scattered, planted, nourished, and bearing fruit. So the idea of church planting, and whatever that means to you or whatever it doesn't mean to you, uh, it's, it's bigger than the village church. It's bigger than a few decades of emphasis or, or a church planting network or many other church planting networks. It's bigger than dozens of books. It's more than a fad. It is a deep-seated, uh, it is flesh to the mission of Jesus. That's what it is. And, and it's, it's the ink that wrote the story of the apostles in the New Testament. But planting churches, it isn't the goal, nor is it the end. It is merely the primary means to an end. So the first thing I want us to see is this. The early church gives a glimpse of the gospel being planted. I know that not every one of you have read the Bible cover to cover. I know that there are people who follow Jesus and you've not done that. I encourage you to do that so that you know what it is that you're beholding and following and, and all those things. And, but, but you know the guy uh, like with strings and he's like looks crazy and you know red line here and all this stuff and he builds out a case and everybody else would look at that and just be like huh right and he's like that's the killer I know who did it right well just imagine what we're getting ready to do in this point with like string and red lines and, and putting pins on a cork board that's what I want to do in the next few minutes all right um not make absurd connections but I want us to see how the gospel goes right 
And if you've never read the Bible all the way through, I would say, man, just start, start in the New Testament. And that, that's not the beginning, but start there and try to just work your way through it. I want to give us kind of uh, some pins on a, on a cork board to help us see how this gospel goes forth over the next few minutes. In Mark 1, verse 15, Jesus says this. He says, this is like the beginning. Mark just gets right to it. There's no baby Jesus. He's just like, let's, let's go, all right? Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That's what Jesus says in the first chapter of Mark. And so he's like, all right. He's, he's building the case that, that the kingdom is near, that Jesus is bringing it, and he's, he's, uh, he's calling those who hear him to repent and to believe. All right? Then right after that, he calls his first disciples, and they're doing different things, and a couple of them are like fishing, and he's like, hey, follow me. And they're like, well, we got some stuff to tend to. He's like, literally, just drop your nets, follow me. And he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Right? Stop, stop fishing. I will make you fishers of men. So what he's saying is this kingdom is going gonna, is gonna to have citizens, and I want you to be a part of inviting those citizens into my kingship. Right? By Mark 16, we see Jesus' ministry is kind of in full bloom. He says this. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's written when you go out uh, through the red door, just to, the, just to your left, that's written. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Believe the gospel. Follow me as we share the gospel. He delivers the gospel. He lives the gospel. He is the gospel. He gives victory over this life. He overcomes the world. That is the gospel. That is the good news that Jesus came to overcome the world and to invite us to be in his eternal kingdom, to have eternal life with him forever. And so he says, be compelled by this truth and go tell this truth. And then Jesus, he goes and he continues to teach and he heals and he confronts and he rebukes and he invites and he leads and he dies and he's buried and he lives and he ascends and he reigns and he will return. His entire ministry is showing all just this basic reality. We, we've often said it like this, that God is holy, that Humanity is sinful, but Christ is enough. That's, that's the way of his kingdom, is that all of us fall short. We can't be in relationship with God. We can't be with him forever. We are broken. We are sinful. We, we, we rebel. But by grace, by grace alone, he invites us through him, through his death, where he died the death that, that we should have died. He invites us in to life abundantly, now and forever with him. God is holy, humanity is sinful, and Christ is sufficient. So after Jesus dies, they go looking for him in the tomb, and they're like, he's not there, and this is crazy, and what's happening? And everybody's really sad, and we see one of the best passages of scripture of all time, and I wanna read it to you. It's in Luke 24. If you love Jesus you should know this, and you should know where it's at. We're going to read it. Here's, here's how it goes. And he said to them, 
there's this guy, he, he approaches these two men, they're walking, it's the road to Emmaus, I think. This guy shows up and he says to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with, with each other as you walk? Probably said something more like this. Hey, what are you guys talking about? But, you know, ESV or whatever, it's fine. <laughs> what is this conversation that you are having among you? And they stood still looking sad. You can see that. Then one of them said, uh, one of them named Cleopas, he answered him, I love this. He says, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? It's like, I think what he literally says is, what have you been living under a rock? He, he, he had been, right? And that wasn't even in my notes. It's so good. Gosh, pause for that. That's the spirit at work. That's so good. Uh, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. And Jesus is like, tell me more, <laughs> right? Listen, to this. they said, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, Right? And, he, and he's missing. And some people went to find him and they couldn't find him. And Jesus is like, huh? And Jesus said to them, oh foolish ones. Like, can you imagine the scene? Oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then he said, this is critical. In beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And beginning with Moses, and all, so all of the Old Testament, he opened it up and he said, let me show you how all of it is about me. That's really critical for us. And then he, he dined and dashed. That's what Jesus did. Uh, after making those Old Testament connections, and then they said to, to one another, like the sweetest thing, they said to each other, after they figured, it was the Lord, it was him. We were, how did we not see? Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? That's cool. Gosh, it doesn't always feel like that. I know you're like, no. Uh, morning devotions or opening the Bible in the morning. No, my heart does not burn with, you know, like more coffee or, or whatever it is. I just need a moment of solitude. And yeah, wouldn't that be nice or whatever? But, but when it lands, did not our hearts burn within us when he opened to us the scriptures? That's sweet. So moving on. At the end, that was Luke 24, at the end of Matthew in Matthew 28. We see this famously. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. It's a good observation. That's happening in this room. Some worship, some doubt. That's okay, right? We see that happening a lot, all right? And that's all right. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. From the Father, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right? So now we see that Jesus came and he established a kingdom and he invited people into it and they repented. They turned from their life. They laid down their sin. They followed him. He showed them the way. He died with their sin. He was raised victorious over sin and death. He invited them into that new life where their sin was paid for, atoned for. The wrath of God was absorbed by him. No longer was that our end for those who trust in him. Then they saw him, they interacted with him. He showed up, he opened the scriptures. He said, all this is about me. And then before, this is like his farewell. He says, now look, like the end, it's, it's over I, I have the authority from the Father, and I'm giving it to you, so go and tell everyone that you see who I am and invite them into eternal life. Tell them what I've taught you. Go, go do that. Turn the page. Acts. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's the life and the death, the resurrection of Jesus. It's, it's like, I, I want to hear what Jesus did. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all ha- kind of have a different... Uh, lens on that, but then right after that, you have the book of Acts, which is really important. It's the Acts of the Apostles, or the Acts of the Church. And so what you have is, is Jesus ascending, we'll read in just a second, and then you have the church saying, well, what do we do now? And we watch them figure it out. Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, And you will be my witnesses. You will testify of me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right? Jesus rises up into the clouds and everyone looks at him. This is his literal last words. And he he just vanishes into the clouds. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? That's what happened. And two robed men, angels or whatever, come down and they say, why are you looking up into the clouds? Go do what he said. He'll be back. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit does just what he said, comes upon them. Everyone in the world's in Jerusalem, right, for the, the festival and and. Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit, he, shared, he just proclaims the gospel boldly. And the Holy Spirit comes down, and, and Peter's saying this in a language, his native language, but then what happens is everyone around that, that's from all, all the corners of the earth, they hear him preaching the gospel in their own language. That's what the Holy Spirit does to them so that they hear it, and then guess what they do? They go home, and they tell people about it. Acts chapter 2, in the very end, we see this sweet thing. And this is what I would say is like finally a picture of what the church gets to look like. Acts 2, 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That was the apostles would go on to cement the word of God. So it was their authority, the, the authority of God in, in written form, Right? They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together. They had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and, and giving it to those who had need. Day by day, they attend, attended the temple together. They broke bread in homes they, they shared meals in homes. They were under the word and around the table. And it turns out they were among their neighbors as well, right? 
They, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And do you know what the Lord did? The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And in that earlier, uh, the beginning of Acts 2, Peter preaches, I think it's 3,000 or 5,000, and then he preaches another time and an additional 3,000 or 5,000. So you have so many people coming to trust Jesus that, that they needed to plant some churches. That's what they needed to do. Uh, but, but we didn't see that. This is the New Testament. Like we don't, we don't know how this is, but what we see is it's, it's beginning to take shape and acts is like the toddler days. It's, it's the mattress and Denny days of like, Denny's days of the church all together. And they're, they're trying to figure out what it looks like. In 2019, uh, we sent out a church plant and it was, it was Cedar City Church in Lebanon. We had a, a pastoral residency and, and a dozen plus adults, probably a total of 25, if you count kids, sent them out a percentage of our budget for sure, because that's, that's costly. Um, that church, uh, it was pre-pandemic. Pandemic wasn't really helpful. Uh, and there were other factors in there, but that church dissolved and kind of uh, some people came back and, hey, we're glad you're in the room. And some people went to another local church in Lebanon and others went to different places. And so we, we, we sent a church out. We will do that again, right? We, we lived and we learned and, and we humbly wade in those waters and figure out what that looks like. But here's the thing. Maybe you are a future church planter that the Holy Spirit has been whispering to. And maybe... Uh, a future church will send out, uh, that we will send out will be from a kid that's in Cayville right now. In your work as a teacher, discipling that kid is the seed that will nourish future disciples for generations. That's cool to think about. Like I had someone invest in me in super special ways and I, I was never like at seven, I'm gonna like, be a church planter. It was always like, hey, that, that would, what if we did that? Oh, okay, let's do that. And like just kind of follow the Lord like that. But, but that's really cool. Maybe you'll be a, a part of a core team that, that uproots and, and takes the community and the mission that we have here with you and, and you become an instrument in laying the foundations for the gospel work in a new, in a nearby city, someplace far away or someplace close. And you say, oh gosh, that would be sad. I know. I know it would be sad. And yet that's what's been happening for 2,000 years. And if, if no one left Jerusalem on that day, and everybody's like, hey, let's just hang out and believe this together. Then we're doing something different this morning. They went. They went out. Like the gospel doesn't just exist. It, it goes, it moves, it, it, it marches. Maybe you're a future planter who has been or, or who will participate. We do gospel eldership, something that, that we have uh, invite men into, and we just say, this is what 
This is what gospel eldership looks like. This is what servant leadership looks like in the local church with a, a particular kind of eye or lens on leading in the local church. And, and maybe you've been a part of that in the past, or maybe you will in, in 2024, you'll go through that, and, and that might be the thing where you learn the way of servant leadership with eyes on the local church, and through that exposure experience, you might, like, God might stir in you a desire to be trained and cultivated and assessed locally, and then assessed through, through Acts 29, affirmed, commissioned, and sent to plant wherever you go. Like, maybe that's you. Philosophically, the way that we think about this, and it's not like sculpted in stone, but just in conversations, even recently, like, we lean more towards being a church that's, that's healthy, and we know that some of you love when we were a church of 40, and you say, gosh, I just missed that, and we'll talk about mission drift and, and all those other things in a few minutes, but, like, totally get that, and some of you have been a part of bigger churches, and you're like, oh, it's so nice to be in a small church, and some of that's preference, and some of that's probably okay, but we're not trying to take over the world and have you know, a, a, a mega church. We're not trying to do that. And certainly there are things that mega churches can do that little tiny churches that meet in basements can't do. And we benefit from, from the gathered resources that a church of 10,000. You know, there, there are churches in California that send churches out. And they won't send them out unless they have 800 people and eight full-time staff. And we're like, wow, that's, you, you do things differently than we do. But you, you can see the upside to that. You can also see the downside to having a church of 10,000 people. And gosh, it just doesn't feel that, right? And so that's fine. That's fine. I, th I think what I'm saying is that's fine. It's fine. It's fine, right? <laughs> Philosophically, like we want to be a healthy church. And if we grow to a size that we, that's no longer sustainable, or we just can't implement systems, structures, processes, people, leaders, whatever, that, that allows us to care for and mobilize all the resources, all the people, and steward well and wisely, then we want to send churches out. We don't want to just gather without an end in mind. So we want to, we want to gather and we want to scatter. Like we want to, want to grow, but not at the expense of the health or, or the care of those in the room. We don't want to overlook those in the room for those that are not yet in the room. And at the same time, we don't want to be so inwardly focused that we forsake the mission to sit around and be comfortable together. We don't want to do that either. Like uh, Green Day and many other bands like that, there's a real thing, especially in the punk scene, that like if you sell out, it's over. And by sell out, I mean like you sign with a major label and you are on the radio. And you think, oh, you imagine their moms. Honey, this is what you've been trying to do. And you imagine all of their friends find them alienated because they sold out. And you're like, what? And Ryan's like, yes, preach it. I know, I get it, right? And so, so they did what everyone was trying to do. They did it and they become the villain. And it's like, gosh, that's sad, right? And, and in that story of Green Day, they literally, the, there were a few venues on the West Coast that they went to, they were no longer allowed to even play at anymore because they had a major label. And so that's a problem for a band. Look, that's a problem for churches. And, and, and it looks a lot different, but we have to be mindful of those things. Churches can, can either feel like they're selling out or they just got too big and they started moving people around like, like you know, pawns on a chessboard. We don't want to do that. 
There are opportunities to forsake the mission by, by any number of ways, and we can drift from the mission. We can misplace the mission. We can think that it's about doing all kinds of good things, or we can think that it's about, we could think that the mission is about planting churches and that we are only successful to the ends that we do that. We could think that it's about a lot of things, and, and that's why those little snapshots in Acts 2 show us like a full body of what the local church gets to look like, whether it's small or whether it's, it's large. 14 years in, almost, uh, we don't have it all figured out, which is weird because most 14-year-olds do. <laughs> so good. I have a 14 and a 15-year-old, so. Uh, we, we don't have it figured out, but we point ourselves back to the same gospel, the same form of the church that we are formed by the gospel. We are gathered by the gospel. We are sent out by the same complete gospel. And we want to do that in simplicity and in generosity. And we want to do that to, to, to develop to those ends. At that Cedar City send-off, I preached this passage. This was like in April of maybe 2019 or something like that. Uh, Acts chapter 13, another pen. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and preachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. They were a diverse crowd, right? That's what they're trying to tell us. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Spirit spoke, right? It probably didn't happen in, in one meeting. They interacted, probably kicked that around. What does this even mean? What does it mean for us? Who's gonna preach when Paul's gone? What are, what are we doing? Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. And do you think tears weren't shed that day? You think the next guy who had to come and preach after Paul was... Like, but maybe Paul was boring because he did preach people to sleep at times, right? R real talk. And so they were diverse and they, they gathered for worship and they were set apart for the mission. They were dependent upon the Lord and they were sent out. The early church in the New Testament, it gives a glimpse of the gospel being planted and the hammer on the nails of Jesus holding him to the cross where his blood would spill as the water for growth is the spirit hammering in the seed of the kingdom that grows in the shape of the unified, diverse global church which shows up in, in a thousand places, a thousand times, languages, people, countries, cities, towns, through the world throughout all time, and we play a tiny part in that. The second thing we see is planting churches gives a glimpse of the future kingdom bearing fruit. Uh, I remember the scene of the movie, Dennis the Menace, there was a movie when I was a kid, there's probably lots of others, and, and they... Uh, Mr. Wilson, old Mr. Wilson, he's having a garden party, and there's like this orchid that only like blooms once every 40 years. And he's been waiting his whole life for this. So they have a party for it, and they're all in the garden, they're all in the backyard, and like they're just like, oh, and you begin to see it like move. And I remember as a kid, like, oh, like this is gonna be good. I've never been so excited, you know, this is awesome, about a garden party. Um, and, and Dennis the Menace, he, he steps into the backyard. And he says, hey, Mr. Wilson, someone robbed your house, which is true. And that's a good thing to say. Like, um, and everyone turned around. 
and the thing, you know, does its thing and it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And then everyone looks back and it's like shriveling and dying because it only lasts like 10 seconds. In the scheme of eternity, like any particular local church, it's just, all of the life of the church here on earth, it will feel like a fleeting moment. It'll feel like nothing. You know, there are churches in like Europe that have been around for 1,200 years, you know, and, and we don't have that in the United States because we don't have that in the United States. But, but either way, the, the whole life of the church here on earth will be just, just nothing. It will be just a, like a flash in the pan. It'll be, it'll be here and then it's gone. But as we experience the entirety of our lives here on earth individually and, and as the church, its, its mission and its purpose uh, we, we see that it is everything to behold, that it is flesh and bone making the gospel and, it, and its fruit visible. Local churches will come and go and they will thrive and they will fade. They will give space for the gospel to take form for a time. And each, each local church will, will bloom and wither, but the gospel is not stopped by poor leadership or, or a moral failure of some high-profile leader. That does not stop the gospel, and it might kill a local church, and I hate that, but it doesn't stop the, the gospel from advancing. It doesn't stop the mission going forward. It, it will not be stopped by mission drift. It will not be stopped by stagnation or by, by hard hearts or by, by wayward souls. The gospel is life that marches, and the universal church will sing on for all time because Christ has assured us that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we have this, this future picture in mind. Like we've seen holograms before, maybe not in real life, but like in shows or whatever. And, and it would be like me, but I'm like uh, glitchy and <laughs> like uh, I'm, uh, I'm sitting home somewhere or I'm whatever, but I'm like standing up here moving around, right? Uh, the, the church is a projection of a realized kingdom, but it is it is imperfect. It glitches. It, it's, it's not perfect here on earth. It's marred and it's, it's infected and affected by sin. But it's an image of, of future. People who see its beauty see the fullness of the gospel in bloom. And we see that no more in scripture than in Revelation chapter 7, <clears throat> verse 9. It says this. This is far off into a, a future that we've not yet seen. And after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Why plant churches? This is why. Innumerable people from every nation, all tribes, peoples, languages, standing before the throne of God, worshiping Him for His salvation. This is the end game to see the fullness of the global church for all time, worshiping Jesus together for all time. John Piper says, missions happens because worship doesn't. 
missions happens because worship doesn't. The church's mission will come to an end one day. But, but the gathered people of God will have no end. What a beautiful thing. We want to plant churches. We want to establish and strengthen and, and sin because that's the fruit of the gospel root. You know, Acts 29, people say, uh, I'll like wear a shirt and they'll be like, you know there are 29 chapters in the book of Acts. And I'm like, gosh, I, I should have checked that out. But that's the point that the mission advances. There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. And what we're living in is this is the 29th chapter. And it's not scripture, right? We're not walking in uh, divine revelation as it were that way. But, but that's the point that, that the church marches on as simple and normal as it is when the church is united under word unto Christ, we're, we're time travelers revealing a glimpse of the greatness that will be for all time. That's why the unity of the church matters. Because we're, we're an image projecting a future reality that we want people to walk by and see and say, I want to be a part of that. I want to live in that kingdom. And I want to I live in that kingdom forever. That's what we get to be as the church. The church was never meant to be an institution, a library, something that, some, that, that someone comes and sees, a show, a, 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 spec, you know, a spectator event. That's not what the church is. And, and ever so sure by the presence of the spirit within, the work of Christ is applied and we begin to make that known. The church is alive, and it is a movement of the people of God proclaiming Christ until he comes. Like, imagine a great song. You have one? You got it? A great song? But imagine no album, no cassette, no CD, no streaming service, where would the song live? It, it would just stay in the abstract. It would be an idea of a great song. Like the church gives body and legs to the work and the reality of the gospel. It's what we get to be a part of in a, in a way that, that no other thing can't. Right? As the church organizes, as the scriptures lead us to do, that means that, that as churches are planted, what's actually happening is that churches are intentional seeding incubators for the gospel to be scattered and planted and cultivated and nourished and watered and to grow. <sighs> How about this? Just hit that last slide or whatever. Yeah, there we go. So what can we do to plant churches together? the band can come on up. We can do this. We can behold Jesus and the gospel boldly. Start there. Behold Jesus. Follow him. Behold the gospel boldly. We can contribute to a church that prioritizes the people and the mission. And some of you are like, some of you are doing that. Like here. And some of you are doing that other places and that's Okay. You can, right where you are, you can pray about joining God's work in places where Jesus isn't named. Or, or maybe where, where there aren't uh, enough healthy churches to 
to be able to saturate an area with the gospel. And maybe that's in Guatemala, and maybe that's in Fairfield. You can literally ask God, like, hey, what part can I play in this? We can do all that you do with a mind to make, mature, and multiply disciples. And so the gospel will go as we do that, and, and churches will grow as we do that. that. That's what we're part of. Man, I hope that's helpful for us today. We will have some reflection questions on the screen to kind of kick around as we respond however the, the Spirit would inspire you to do. You can sit right where you are. You can stand up. You can sing with the band. You can pray over there by yourself. If you would like, you, would, you can pray back at that red tree. Someone would love to pray with you about whatever it is that you're struggling with or, or you're trying to figure out or you're trying to process God's calling in your life or you're trying to say, man, I want to follow this Jesus Right? We would love to pray with you about any of that stuff. And if you are in Christ, we'd love to offer you the table, a meal with the Lord and all of his people. And we do that. We take of the bread and of the juice as a remembrance and as a declaration that Jesus' body broken and his blood spilled was enough to invite us into the family, into the table of God. If, if you're not in Christ, you've never come to a place where you have faith in, in his work being enough to earn you eternal life, this is not for you, but we are for you and we would love to talk to you. My wife and I will be back uh, down the end of that. I would love to pray for you or with you as well. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for the story and all the stories you have in this room and not just in this room, but, but around the world of just the simple ways that your church gathered and scattered, how people came to know you, and how, how people come to observe all that you have commanded and observe all that you have taught, that, that we get to baptize and, and celebrate new life, and we get to send out disciples, being disciples, making disciples of all nations. What a gift. In Jesus' name, amen.